Welcome to Hub City Homers, episode 25. We're back after a quick turnaround to discuss the most important game of the year. And no, I don't think that's overselling it. The matchup on Tuesday night with the Texas Longhorns. Obviously, the storylines will be you know, abundant in this game. Most significantly, the reaction Chris Beard will face from the crowd and the overall environment. Um, we will talk a little bit about that, you know, the what the the role of a fan and so on and so forth, but I don't want to get too preachy in this episode. So we're going to spend a lot of our time just focusing on the on-court product, but we're going to briefly touch on what happened this, this previous weekend with Mississippi state, the red Raiders absolutely demolished the bulldogs winning easily clearing the bench. It was a total well-rounded performance from tech to hand the big 12, one of its few wins of the challenges. The challenge for those of you who don't know, went pretty South for the big 12 as Baylor was upset and as Kansas was absolutely hammered at home. So we're not going to spend a lot of time talking about this, but we are going to open with it so you guys get a little bit of an idea for how, how are things shaping up before Texas. So I'll open up the questions first to Jack here. And the first question of the night is going to be pretty simple. You know, you saw what happened against Mississippi State. It was a pretty dominant performance. Um, whose game really stood out to you the most that you weren't expecting to see from in this game? I think uh, overall, I would say Malik Wilson. Uh, Malik Wilson turned in a very solid game uh, against Mississippi State, and his minutes were up. And, uh, you know, I think he kind of rewarded Adams and company for playing him a little bit more than normal. Uh, you know, he had, um, he had 22 minutes, and, uh, you know, came in with 12 points. He led all scorers off the bench. So um, he was three of four from the field. And more importantly, he was six of six from the line. Uh, I've always praised Malik on being a very good facilitator and a very good ball handler. And I've always, uh, you know, uh, I've always said my piece on the pod for, uh, uh, you know, kind of wanting him to get more minutes and I think that this was a prime case of this, uh, of what happens when you uh, when you play him for longer than uh, normal. So I think that this honestly only in, uh, increases his minutes from here. Um, but I also want to touch on uh, just a stat for the team overall. Uh, the free throws were great. Um, I, I I really don't feel like I've had the opportunity to say that much this year, but uh, 13 of 16 from the line is very above average for this team. So I was very, uh, I was very happy with that uh, as well. Reed, I'll go to you and uh, same question, you know, whose performance were you most surprised by either not necessarily only, you know, somebody you weren't expecting it to see from, but what, what performance really stood out to you? Yeah, I, th- I think for me it was evident, uh, and probably everybody else, that Adonis Arms had an immediate impact in the game. Uh, you know, with, with TJ back, usually in the lineup the last uh, the last few games, his his minutes have definitely decreased, uh, especially against Kansas. I feel like I hardly even saw him go into the game, it seemed like, uh, especially in that later part of the second half and in the overtimes. I don't think he ever went in overtime uh, at, at any point uh, in the stretch. Part of that was because Malik Wilson was in as well, but uh, I think it was apparent he came out ready to roll uh, and ready to make a ready to make a statement that he was back in the lineup and and ready to score pretty quickly. Um, you know, even even if we don't have TJ Tuesday, which I'm hoping is not the case, I think Adonis is going to step in really nice for him, and I th- I think people are going to have to respect him a little bit more offensively than than they have so far. Uh, I think part of that's just because they really don't know much about him until. He's kind of burst onto the scene a little bit, hit or, hit or miss so far this year. Uh, he really hadn't been been on the national setting at any point in time. So um, I think it's a, it's a good time for him to hit a stride with the team. I think for me, the biggest performance I would like to highlight is probably I'm going to go with Marcus Santos Silva just because I think, you know, Arms had a fantastic game, as did Kevin O'Banner had another great game. Um, you know, the, the, those two guys have drawn a lot of the eyes over the last couple of games. Um, it seems like if Adonis Arms gets solid playing time, he makes the most of it. I'm not really sure what happened against Kansas. 
Um, something told Mark Adams to pull him out. I, I don't know if he was hurt. I don't know if he, what, what the situation was, but it's apparent that when TJ Shannon can't go, Adonis Arms is your best bet to pick up that, that, that scoring. Marcus Santos Silva is a guy who takes a lot of heat from tech fans. You know, he takes a lot of heat and some of it was deserved. Last season in particular, he became downright unplayable. I mean, he was just so bad offensively and such a non-factor defensively or rebounding that he just wasn't playable. Since, you know, the big field plays kind of gotten, you know, rolling this year, he's really found, you know, not necessarily become like a dominant scoring threat, but his rebounding's improved. He's made more decisive with the ball underneath. I mean, you can see some of the assists he made this game, some of the passes. It, I just feel like he's coming into his own in this, in this, um, this system. And more importantly for, you know, Mark Adams, he's playing very well defensively. You know, he's, he's, he's guarding at a high level. He's denying um, the post. Well, he's doing what we need him to do. And, you know, tech is going to run one or two bigs at all time. Most of the time it's two. That just seems to be how Mark Adams likes to attack because I think he likes to keep, um, you know, a little bit extra size in there to help out with the rebounding. So, you know, in order to, to justify that system, Marco Santos Silva has to play like he has been. And he's been exquisite. I mean, he's just been really, really good the last few games. Um, I Really, the funny thing about the game against Mississippi State, though, is nobody really played that bad. Like Kevin McCullough was probably the guy that most people would highlight as being like, well, he didn't really score. He did about everything else right. You know, so it, it, it this was the kind of game you really wanted before Texas, where it seemed like everybody... Um, was clicking, you know, we, I don't know what's going to go on, what's going on with Shannon's back. I don't know if the decision to hold him out was, you know, a confidence thing. You didn't probably didn't need him to beat Mississippi state. Um, I don't know if he really is, you know, still only like 50, 60%. You know, it seems like with his injuries, it's, you know, one step forward, two steps back, back injuries in particular, are just so hard to shake off. So, you know, seeing guys like Adonis Arms, seeing guys like Marco Santos Silva, seeing guys like Wilson, who I think had his best overall game as a Red Raider, as Jack was pointing out, you know, seeing those guys really step up. And let's not forget, you know, Davion Warren played much better basketball. Uh, uh, Bacho was everywhere defensively and was really, really good underneath the post. Um, Naldoni continues to be a total pest. I mean, it's just that 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 was a team performance that you had to have before a big matchup. But like I said, we're not going to spend a ton of time on Mississippi State. So now we're just going to go ahead and pivot to Texas. Can I can I touch on can I touch on one more thing before we go? go. I would like to give kudos to this Tech team. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, this was our best shooting performance of the year uh, against Mississippi State. I believe we shot 62% from the field, which if you really think about it is absurd. Uh, 29 of 47 uh, from the field, which I 61.7%. So yeah, 62%. I just wanted to uh, give everyone their shouts for uh, uh, making their extra shots that they attempted this week. Yeah. I mean, I hope, I hope some of that shooting's left. Sorry. Go ahead, Reed. Yeah, I was gonna say the same thing. Let's just hope we can we can carry that over to Tuesday, and we didn't shoot ourselves out yesterday. <laughs> yeah, that would that would be really unfortunate, you know, if we turn in this kind of performance and then have like a Tennessee night where you couldn't. I I think if you had made the goal another three feet wider, neither team would have scored any more than they did. So I'm really hopeful that this means this wasn't like an outlier where we just we shot so well and then we'll never do it again. I hope this means like ah, oh, Banner's found it and Arms has found it. So. We, you know, we're all praying for, we're playing for the love of God to have a, a sustained shooting performance. That's the only thing Tech's been missing this year. So, you know, speaking of, you know, a sustained performance, Texas is coming off of a, a mini streak of their own, two wins in a row, big win over uh, West Virginia or uh, TCU, and a win over Tennessee. Um, that Tennessee, you know, fun fact for those of you wondering how what's this Texas squad right like. Tennessee was the Longhorns' first top 25 win. I think that game will knock Tennessee out of the top 25. So it may not even stand for more than a week that they have one. That remains to be seen. We'll see where the, the AP poll refreshes. But Texas has not actually been challenged much this year. They played an extremely weak schedule, and they've avoided playing most of the best of the Big 12, and then they've lost to some bad teams. That all being said, though, they have the exact same record as Tech at 16-5. and five. Um, And after the Tennessee win, they've got to be feeling a bit more confident about the direction of this team. So I'm going to open this one up. We're going to reverse the order and go to Reed first. You look at Texas as a whole this season. I mean, how would you describe what's happening in Austin to the point, to this point of the year? 
Yeah, you know, from from where they started at as a program heading into the year, I believe they were probably, I don't remember, top five, top seven uh, pre-ranking in the nation. Um, to me, had I not even like looked at their record, I would not tell you they're 16 or five right now, uh, for sure. It, just watching them play and then the national outlook that they currently have right now, uh, I, I would think they'd probably be more like to 13, 12 win range it, instead of 16 for sure. It doesn't, doesn't feel like they have the same record as, as Tech in basketball right now whatsoever. Um, that being said, they are stifling on defense, uh, regardless of not having Mark Adams. Uh, they, they play the same defense that Beard did when he was at Tech. Um, and, you know, they, he's taken some guys that have were big-time recruits in the in the pool and he's turned them into good defensive players. Uh, that being said, I, th- I think with – if we pair our defense with theirs, it's going to cancel each other out. Um, in terms of offensive, offensively scoring the ball, I don't think there's any any doubt in my mind. If if we're able to catch them catch them fire at any point, I don't think we can. Uh, I don't think UT can keep up with us in terms of shooting or, or scoring down low in the paint. Uh, I think Bryson Williams and O'Banner are going to have a couple of big games for us, uh, both here and in Austin, if they're able to play their normal game. Um, that being said, I don't think UT's a terrible team or anything. They definitely got some guys that can can make some plays and stuff. Uh, and they've got a lot of guys there that have been there the last few few years of Ramey and Andrew Jones and uh, Cunningham uh, that have been there for a while and have some some sustained sex, success with some other uh, with some other coaching staffs. So um, it's definitely going to be a challenge. But at the same time, I think if we just block out the noise a little bit and focus on the X's and O's. I don't think there's any reason we shouldn't have any problem beating Texas on Tuesday night. Jack, I'll go same question to you. How would you describe how Texas's season has gone thus far? Uh, In my personal opinion, I would say it's about par for the course. Uh, You know, I I feel like this team... Rank being ranked in the top five to start the season, and here we are. You know, we're. I, I guess we're. Are, are we even? I guess we're right at halfway through the Big Twelve, and they're already out of the top twenty-five. Um, I feel like I, it's just par for the course for them. I, I just feel like we always hear about how good this, regardless of who the coach is. I don't even give it. I mean, quite frankly, if we're just looking at this team as a whole, I really you could take Chris Beard out of it. And we've always, we've heard all off season about how good this team's going to be preseason ranking in the top five. And now we're halfway through the big 12 uh, season. They're already out of the top 25 and they haven't played Baylor, uh, Kansas or Texas tech at all. So I, I mean, you know, you, you take it with a grain of salt, but at the same time, I feel like this is very par for the course for uh, for a typical underachieving uh, University of Texas squad. Uh, I feel like this is why they can't get people in the stands. Uh, you mean, you hear all offseason about how good they are, and, you know, you go to the uh, non-conference games when they're playing, you know, North Carolina A&T or whoever they need to play to to win by 40 points. But once it, once, you know, it's time to time to make your uh time to make your bed, you know, this they're pretty underachieving. They're underwhelming. Um and they're great defensively. Um Beard has done his best to retain as much of Mark Adams' no middle defense as he can as he picked up while Adams was his assistant. Um, but I think the death of him as a coach will 100% be the fact that he runs this god-awful motion offense. Uh, I didn't like it the entire time he was at Tech. And uh, it was just it was poor, and it doesn't let your top scorers get in a groove to, uh, you know, highlight their abilities uh i mean you have a guy and you have two guys really and two transfers for texas and timmy allen and marcus carr who easily could average 20 points a game uh and they're both barely over 10 uh you know andrew jones and courtney ramey are 
for what it's worth, I mean, Courtney Ramey is great. He's in his, I feel like he's in his eighth year. I feel like he's in a typical Mitch Lightfoot situation, but uh, Courtney Ramey is a great guard. He's been integral in Texas for, in Texas basketball for a long time. Andrew Jones, I can't, I mean, in all honesty, as much as I hate Texas as a school and as a, as an opposing team, um, Andrew Jones is one of the best stories in college basketball this year and throughout his career overcoming his cancer. And um, I just read a thing the other day saying that he was donating 10% of his NIL money to cancer research, which is uh, just a phenomenal cause and all the kudos to him for that. So um, this team isn't full of really bad dudes overall, but um, just they're a little underachieving. And I just don't think that this team in a whole uh, has been set up for its best success overall. And I think, I think a lot of it has to do with the motion offense. And uh, I, I mean, I know all three of us, you know, we've talked about it in our, in our Slack chat, you know, about just how, how piss poor it is at times and how we're all aggravated about it when beard was here. And so it's just one of those things that, you know, we don't really have it anymore at tech and thank God, but now Texas is feeling the ramifications of that. I think the best way to describe Texas's season thus far is um, underwhelming. You know, I, I think that, the other way I would describe it is as is kind of as you mentioned, it's just it's predictable that this was gonna happen. Really right? like, look look at how not just the fact that Texas didn't play anybody. Like Chris Beard has always built weak schedules. He did it at tech. You know, it it's been a calling card of his to play some of the worst non conference schedules humanly possible. I, I don't necessarily agree with that line of thinking, but it is a strategy to pad your win loss record. It just gets dangerous if you're not winning late in the year. But that aside. Right, like look at the reaction Texas fans have had to this team. Right? Like the only game they managed to sell out, the only one, was because Rick Barnes came back. The coach they actually like came back. How many times have you have we already seen Texas fans ready to fire Chris Beard for these losses? I mean, you look at their record and it's just it's just kind of embarrassing that they're sixteen and five. They haven't played any of the top teams in the Big Twelve besides Iowa State, who they lost to. They almost got swept by Oklahoma State. They they're, they they almost got uh, uh, they they've dropped one to K State at home. Um, you know their best win of the year, their best win of the year involved a massive choke job that they just barely escaped with Tennessee. They lost to Seton Hall. They got thumped by Gonzaga. I mean, there's just you look at this resume and it's just kind of it's just kind of. There's nothing. It's not like it's terrible. It's just kind of sad. You know, they are an NCAA bubble team, right? Like if this wasn't the big 12 and we weren't assuming that they're going to pick up some more quad one wins, um, you know, I think mo- in most conferences, you look at this resume, you'd say, yeah, they're on the bubble. They're first four out, you know, like that. Yeah, that's- if you, if you, if you took the identity off of that team, if you took the name Texas off of that team, you would definitely be like, oh, uh, you know, possibly, last four in or first four out. And I, you just, you look at some of these scores from some of these games, right? Like 68 against Cal Baptist, um, 63 against Pine Bluff, 60 against Stanford, 68 against Alabama state. Like they're winning these games defensively, which is great. You know, that's always been Chris Beard's calling card because of what Mark Adams built, but they're not just kind of bad offensively. You know, I would describe Tech's offense this year's mediocre. You know, they're okay. They have moments where they're better. Some moments they're really bad. Texas is struggling with any regularity to put up anything remotely close to competent offensive basketball for large stretches of the game, right? And they haven't done it against any of the best defensive teams. Tennessee is the best defensive team Texas has played all year. Managed 52. You know, it. it they're, they're not playing the best teams in the world, and they're still struggling. Look, I, I think that transfer lineups take a while to get together. We can blame the motion offense for what's happening with Marcus Carr and Timmy uh, Allen. We can blame a, a, an over-reliance on defense. You know, running this system does wear you down a bit. We can blame, you know, uh, statistical regression. We can blame whatever we want. If you're a Texas fan in Austin for describing this, but 
if you're not a little disappointed by how things are going, then you haven't been watching. They, they just, it's not debatable that Tech is having the better year. And I don't know when Chris Beard's going to, if Chris Beard can flip the, squi- the switch this season. They just don't particularly do anything well outside of the defense. And even the defense, you know, they're not playing a tough schedule and they're outside the top 10 in total defense, right? You know, like you, you look at Ken Palm and Texas's defensive rate, uh, adjusted defense is at an, as an 11th. That's without playing Baylor. That's without playing Kansas. You know, that's without playing Tech. You know, so the, the three best teams in the conference uh, and two of the better offensive teams in the conference, they go, haven't gone up against and they still can't get into the top range of the defensive ratings. They're, they're, I don't think Tech can expect to blow out Texas, but if you're just asking me, you know, if I just looked at the two resumes side by side and I was asked to say who was going to win, it's Tech hands down. Um, but, you know, we do, you do have to play the game. At the end of the day, basketball is, the, is a game of runs and maybe Texas is going on a streak. So let's look at what's actually going to happen on the court for a bit. Um, Jack, we'll start with you. Reverse the order once again. You're looking at Texas. You know, what, what's your key to stopping what the Longhorns want to do? Um, <laughs> well, honestly, I mean, I think you look at Timmy Allen and Marcus Carr, um, if you're Mark Adams, you've seen Andrew Jones and Courtney Ramey for a long time. You know what they bring to the court. Uh, you know, you've seen Jace Febris for a year. Um, so, you know, you know what those guys bring. Uh, I think really the only people that uh, you're, you need to familiarize yourself with are, uh, you know, Timmy Allen, Marcus Carr, uh, probably Trey Mitchell, a little bit of Christian Bishop and Dylan Disu. Um, for what it's worth, I mean, Christian Bishop and Trey Mitchell probably are going to rotate amongst themselves. Uh, they're going to get as much run out of Timmy Allen as they can. Uh, I think, I think really the go-to, you know, for me, if I'm, if I'm Mark Adams or if I'm uh coach Peary looking at this team, how to attack them and how to, you know, uh, expose their weaknesses, I would immediately go, just dump it inside to Bryson Williams to try to draw some fouls on Timmy Allen. Uh, other than Timmy Allen, they really don't have, you know, a consistent forward that plays a lot of minutes. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a mix up between, between Trey Mitchell and Christian Bishop really. So um, if you, if you get Timmy Allen on the bench at all for a significant amount of time in this game, uh, you know, then, then it becomes guard heavy with those three guards and Ramey Jones and Marcus Carr. So I would, I would specifically go at Timmy Allen on the offensive end. Um, I could also, I would hand the ball to Davion Warren, uh, one of the best on ball, uh, people just to take people off the dribble in the country, uh, has been for multiple years now and you know i would get him in a situation where he's on marcus Carr and just try and drive on marcus Carr with uh davion warren or i mean you you can't really go wrong with drawing fouls on anyone on this team um like i said you're the main four people on their team are courtney ramey andrew jones who ever all tech fans know and then marcus Carr and timmy allen so I mean, this team very, it really isn't that hard to decipher. It's not like they have a bunch of uh, stuff behind the scenes going on. You don't know who's going to come out with what. They're very transparent. Uh, you know what they're going to give you. And uh, it shouldn't be too hard for this, for this team to uh, overcome that. Reed, I'll go to you with a similar question with a little bit of a twist. So you, you're looking at Texas um, and you – what what is if you're if you're the you know you're Chris Beard you're sitting across the sideline what are you looking to take away from Tech to give you know the Longhorns a chance here you know what what does Texas have to do well to stay in this game? I think the uh, you know the best thing for Texas to do is don't don't let Tech go on a run, uh, which is easier said than done. That's going to happen pretty much any game in the nation. Each team's going to have their their time during the game where, where runs are going to happen. You know, six six zero eight zero little spurts. But the uh, the kind of crowd that's going to be in Lubbock on Tuesday night. If if you're Chris Beard, you don't want us to go 
uh, you know, eight oh ten oh run for uh, a, a period of time where you're not scoring the ball at all. Uh, that's going to be one thing that, that they're really going to want to avoid. Um, I'm going to partially answer that last question you asked Jack too, because I, I think there's a, there's a key component. I think Mark Adams should, should kind of hone in on, uh, just watching the Tennessee game the other day. Uh, when, when Tennessee made that, that huge comeback with, I don't even know, four, three, four minutes left and they went on that huge run. The, the main, the main reason they made that comeback was the, the amount of pressure they were applying in the backcourt. Uh, on the on the Texas guards, they put a they put a full court, you know, double team trap press on on Carr, Timmy Allen, whoever was was bringing the ball up, and that's going to cause a lot of problems, you know, for for UT to get the ball off the floor and get a decent shot off before the shot clock went out. I think that at even one point they had a ten second violation, so they didn't even get across half court uh, to get an offense set up at any at any time. Um, you know, I, Mark Adams has not hesitated to to put a trap in at any point of the game. He's, he, it almost seems like to me, he enjoys pressing full court, uh, especially if he's got only got one, one big man on the floor. Um, you know, I think there's, this is not a Kansas team you're having to scout against. And you, you know, kind of like what Jack said, you know what you're going to get uh, out of their offense. You know, who's going to be touching the ball, you know, Marcus Carr, Timmy Allen, Marcus Carr is going to be touching the ball every single possession, you know, pretty much, Every single minute of the game, he's going to have his hands on it, doing something. Um, you know, I think if you you could take even even if you just take him out of it, it's going to be really hard for Texas to score against you because it seems like everything runs through him, uh, whether he's the one scoring or not. Um, you know, for UT, I think you need you need some bench production too. You gotta you gotta have some guys off the bench that are willing to score the ball. I don't know who their five starters are off the top of my head, but. Um, you know, I, I didn't seem really seem like Febris plays much, but if he's in the game, everybody knows what he can do. Uh, he's let us up in the past before, so I, th- I think if he's able to get somebody like that going, uh, that really hadn't contributed much necessarily recently for UT. I think that can hurt Tech for sure. Uh, just kind of you know makes us aware that we gotta we gotta hone in on somebody else other than the the main guys that we've been worried about all year um, in terms of game planning. But like I said earlier, this is not a Kansas you're having a game plan for. You're not going to be worried about somebody going off for 35 like Agbaji did last week against you. Because, um, I mean, at the same time, there's two to three, maybe four other guys on Kansas that could do that at, at some point. Uh, I don't I don't think this Texas team has that offensively whatsoever. Um, but, again, to answer the question you asked me, I, I think if you're Chris Beard, you got to have some bench production to have any shot uh, at, at even making it close on Tuesday. It does feel a bit like, you know, when Tech plays Texas, that some of these guys just have stupid performances. Brock Cunningham's a guy that's hurt us in the past. Fabris, um, Ramey, you know, he's a pretty regular production guy for Texas, but he feel it feels like no matter what happens, he goes on some sort of, you know, little 9-0 spurt all by himself whenever Tech plays. Um, but for me, what I'm looking at here is is what what, you know, if I'm Tech, what I'm doing, you know, and what if I'm Texas, what I have to prevent more than anything is you've for tech, you've got to get on the offensive glass and for Texas, you have to keep them off the offensive glass. You know, this is one of the few years in a long time where Texas does not have much size. They're not a particularly, you know, uh, uh, you know, dominant rebounding team. They don't have a lot of height. Um, you know, this is more of a typical Chris Beard modeled lineup though. Well, I'll, I'll get to this in a sec, but less athletic. So if I'm Texas, you know, your biggest weakness is going to be, you know, matching up with Tech, which has rebounded the ball extremely well of late and really done a good job controlling the second half opportunity, second chance opportunities. And if I'm Tech, that's where your bread and butter is, right? You know, like we're not the best shooting team in the world, but so those little like O'Banner putbacks are just backbreakers. You know, that, that that's how, you know, when you crushed Mississippi State, the biggest part of that recipe was just, it didn't matter where the ball was on the, some of those rebounds tech was getting and putting back up. You know, when you steal two points on possessions like that, it's extremely difficult for the opposition to have much of a chance. So I think that's an area where I'm watching. And if tech wins that rebound battle by, you know, five or six, you know, steals five or six extra possessions, a couple extra putbacks. I think tech is in not just a comfortable position, but in a pretty dominant one. Um, the only other area I'm really looking at is three point shooting. Neither team, shoots the ball well at all from beyond the arc. I mean, like, knee, like they're like, I, I, 
I think Texas is, uh, you know, career shot is like 30 something percent. Tech is like a percent lower. These are not good three point shooting teams. Both run the no middle defense of which the only weakness is three point shooting teams. So it's going to be a tale of who gets hot. If O'Banner gets hot and Ramey doesn't, you know, then it's game over. That, that'll be game over right there. If O'Banner's knocking down threes, if Arm's knocking down threes, and Ramey and Fabris and uh, Cunningham's the guy who's also stepped out against Tech and hit some, if those guys can't counter that, it's over. Because here's the problem Tech is going to run into that everybody's run into. You know, t- Tech has g- held like eight or nine teams to their lowest inside the paint production, including Kansas um, and Baylor. Texas is far less athletic than those teams. I'm not saying that in terms of like basketball ability, but like these guys are not premier athletes. You know, this is not, they aren't the fastest, biggest, strongest guys. They, they, you know, these guys are, don't get me wrong. Timmy Allen and Marcus Carr are stone cold killers, but they are not going to just blow by you with speed. Like some of the Kansas guards can, and even Kansas struggled and they have true size and couldn't get it going. So it's going to be an outside shooting contest. Um, and whoever finds their stroke will win this game, I think is, is a fair way to see it. And if you, neither team does, it's going to be who wins the glass. Um, I, I feel pretty confident about tech in both of those matchups. I think you have the higher ceiling in both of those matchups, but you know, basketball is a crazy game. So we're going to pivot for one second away from on the court to talk about something that is an outline story, an outside storyline, which is just the general fan reaction. Um, what's happening right now for everybody who, who you know, is living under a rock. Um, tech fans have already started to camp out and get ready for the game. Tech students to make sure they get tickets, which I love to see. I think this is the gold standard in basketball is Duke get preparing for North Carolina to come and come home, you know, where they camp out for a month. So to do anything like that, to have the, the, the ex- excitement about a game to do that is, is something, but I do want to touch on one thing before I'll, I'll throw a question back to Jack and Rena back on the court, which is just pretty simple. Look, like I, I, I'm not going to make this too preachy, but every tech fan knows what the line lines are, right? Like it's, it doesn't need to be said that like the players shouldn't, you know, be touched, that nobody should come onto the court, that some language is too far that, you know, God forbid Chris Beard's family makes the trip, which I sincerely doubt he puts them in that position. But if they do, you know, those are the lines, right? Otherwise, I don't care what you chant at Chris Beard. Honest to God, like we're going to get yelled at on the, after the game by ESPN. Like that's going to happen. Same thing happened with Trey Young. I mean, like the, the fuck Chris Beard chant that is going to come is going to get us yelled at, right? So earn it. You know, I don't care how mean spirited you are to him. Just, you know what the lines are. And I personally love to see this kind of hate in basketball. I think tech has been needing a true basketball rival. That's how you start to really assert yourself. And if that's going to be, you know, Chris Beard and the evil empire, then so be it. Um, I personally think he deserves every bad thing tech fans have ever said about him. And I'll, I'll stand by everybody who wants to, to make his life hell in the court. Um, I already saw him whining about it. You know, we've all kind of seen the quotes from him whining about how he gave it everything he had. He doesn't have any regrets. I hope he cries is what I'm getting at here. I hope they can make him cry and tech beats the door off of him and makes him cry. So, you know, pivoting back to the court now, because I just, I feel like that was an important tangent to have. I'm going to open up the last thing and this one's pretty simple. I'm assuming, you know, for the sake of this argument that tech wins the game. If tech is to win the game, who is the guy who will be tech's most valuable player in a winning effort? And I'll throw that to Reed first, just to keep the order reversed. Yeah, I think you're going to revert back, uh, kind of what you guys were saying uh or at least making uh they they don't really have a, a download presence um really at all like they have the last five or so years i think bryson williams and o'banner are both gonna have big games especially if o'banner and williams are, are able to stretch it stretch the floor and able to shoot the three ball uh, i don't think there's any chance texas can really even stay close with you uh you, you know with with the defense that we both each team runs uh, it's it's going to allow some open threes to be taken. When I've seen from Texas, they can't hit open shots when when they really need to um, against teams that they gotta they gotta beat. You know that stretch against Tennessee right at the end was pretty brutal to watch. If if you're a UT fan, they missed like five free throws in a row, um, made one with seven seconds left, and the guy for Tennessee missed a pretty pretty decent look at a three right at the end there. Uh, if you're UT, you don't. 
that doesn't sit well with me uh, going on the road against against Tech uh, right after seeing that happen. Uh, although they did win, it was not pretty whatsoever down the stretch uh, closing that game out. Um, but again, I, I do think if anybody's going to have a couple of big games, I'll, I'll go with Bryson Williams to hone in on one guy. But I do think him and O'Banner are going to are going to light it up um, both down low and outside, hopefully. Jack, I'll go to you with the same question. For Tech to win this game, or say Tech does win this game, is a better way to phrase this. Who's the guy who's most responsible for that win? I think you could really... You could you could put that on almost anyone that's going to play a significant amount of minutes. Uh, but I think that if you're really going to thoroughly beat this Texas team while you're wearing your awesome throwback black unis, I would expect a big game from Kevin McCuller. I think that Kevin McCuller has, I mean, to say that he started off this Big 12 schedule atrociously would be an understatement. Uh, I think I saw somewhere, even before the uh, before the Kansas game at Fog Allen, that he had started out seven of like thirty eight from the four, and that's just it was bad. And so, he, and he was one of eleven from that game. So, I think it's about time for K Mac to come out of that slump and uh, be be the facilitator that he is. Uh, I think that him. Uh, him and some other guys off the bench could could be a huge factor in it. Uh, I'd also like to see some solid minutes from Malik Wilson. I think you saw just how well the offense flowed with Malik Wilson this past weekend against Mississippi State, as we've already touched on. Um, but if if but if you don't want to go with Kevin McCuller, I would go with the dude who has lit everyone up in the tech uniform so far since he's been a Red Raider, and that's Adonis Arms. Uh, I think Adonis has has really he he has become a spark off the bench, and even as a starter in this past game against Mississippi State, um, you know he scored seven or first eight, and. Uh, I just think that he—he's just—I mean, I don't think I know, and we—we we have talked about this multiple times. He's a star, he is, and uh, I just don't think that you can really—if he gets hot, if he gets hot like he was at the start of that Mississippi State game, I mean, you got to watch out because he's everywhere. When he when he's feeling it, he can hit step back, hit a step back three. He can drive, take you off the dribble, drive down the lane, throw a hammer dunk down in your face. Uh, you know, I just think this kid is super special, and I'm very thankful that he is on our side and not the others. So um, the two, uh, I mean, if I can't, I'm I'm not gonna ditto what Reed said because Bryson Williams and uh, you know Kevin O'Banner will play a huge role against Texas because they they other than uh, Timmy Allen, they really don't have a down low presence. Uh, you know, Trey Mitchell and Christian Bishop are, I mean, they're young, so they're, they really don't know, uh, you know, the whole ins and outs of the big 12 play yet. And, you know, Timmy Allen really doesn't, I mean, he, he's played a few games in the big 12, but not a whole lot. And, you know, neither have Bryson Williams and Kevin O'Banner, but they're older. So, I would take experience every day, but um, I would take I would say to key on Kevin McCuller and Adonis Arms, and if and if they're flowing, and you know maybe with a you know spritz of Malik Wilson here and there, you know if all these guys are operating or thriving on full cylinders, you know I you know this could be this could be a big this could be a big statement win for Texas Tech. Let me go a little off the beaten path because Adonis Arms was going to be my answer, but I've been thinking about this, and I think the guy who, if he had the best game, to me would guarantee a Tech win. The guy who, you know, if if he is scoring, you know, 15, 20 points, like he has one of these all-time career-high performances, 
Tech wins, it's got to be Davion Warren, right? You know, if, if Davion Warren plays good basketball, if he's scoring at that clip, you know, if he's not making his characteristic, you know, three, four turnovers a game or whatever it is, which is bad drives, if he's hitting outside shots, I, I don't think that th- this game's over at halftime. You know, like this, this is the kind of thing where, you know, I expect Bryson Williams and Kevin O'Banner to have a great game. I expect Adonis Arms to have a very good game. I hope to see Kevin McCullough shake off his injuries to get back out there and dominate. And I hope TJ Shannon can go. But if you're asking me, you know, of, of everybody whose performance, you know, means that Tech is playing its best, it's if Davion Warren is just taken over. Because I don't think if Davion Warren takes over that any of the other things that we think should happen won't. You know, you're still going to rebound the ball very well, etc. But if if he's adding, you know, scoring to your team at that kind of level, you're going to be pretty tough. Right now, he's averaging 10 points a game, right? You know, but he's he's also averaging a, a touch over a turnover game, and he, you know, he he he's got the potential to score and c- come up with you know, another three assists a game if he just looks up from his drives. So if this is the game where it clicks for him, I mean, we saw it against Mississippi State. I thought he played one of his best games against Mississippi State. I thought he looked the most under control, the most playing within the system. If he plays at a high level and his scoring jumps into the 15-20 range, I'm not just confident Tech will win, I'll guarantee it. You know, that that that's what it would take. If he's having that kind of night, there's nobody's going to beat Tech. Because he's a guy that you're expecting to get scoring from, but you're not expecting him to be your leading scorer. So if everybody else is doing their part and Davion Warren's going off, it's going to get ugly. It's going to get ugly fast. We're going to close this out now with predictions. Um, I'll let Reed go first here. You know, Reed, call your shot. How's this one going to end up? I'm hoping it ends up we just beat the absolute breaks off of them. Uh, and if I'm being honest, I, I do think that's going to happen to an extent. Uh, what I've seen from Texas, uh, if, if they're not able to score the ball on our defense, I don't think they have any any shot. Our our, our crowd's going to carry our offense. I think if we hit a couple shots in a row, we're just going to keep carrying over uh, one after another. I'm going to I'm going to take Tech by 18. I got 60 68 52. Oh, 50. Sorry, that's 18. <laughs> Jack, who you got here? Uh, spoiler alert, I, I do have Texas Tech winning this game. Uh, I think it's a little, um, I don't think it's closer, but I think it's a little bit higher scoring. Uh, I, I think Tech wins uh, about, I'm going to go 82 to 65. The actual hard part for me is figuring out what the score is going to be because I don't see any reason Tech doesn't win this game. Look, if this was played in Austin and Texas managed to put together anything resembling a good crowd, which they won't, but, you know, stay with me. If they had managed that, you know, I think that it'd be a bit tougher. But, you know, there are teams that just don't match up well with what Chris Beard wants to do. And the best example I can think of of what Chris Beard wants, doesn't want to face are no middle defenses, right? Like, look, the best example I can think of is he's had talented tech teams get absolutely smashed by Baylor. You know, where the, 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 a lot of those games were barely competitive for large stretches of the game if they ever, ever got competitive. And the reason why is the motion offense is extremely susceptible to what the no middle does because you take away so much of the cutting that teams want to do by just playing together. When you're this connected defensively, it's really, really hard for guys to sneak behind you. Now, I think Tech hasn't even hit their defensive ceiling yet. I think I've seen too often in games where they've kind of gotten a little lazy. Um, and if they play connected, there's literally... There's no doubt they can shut down Texas. So matchup-wise, I don't think there's a question. Tech should win this game at home. The USA is worth three or four points easy. This is going to be a crazy environment. The only thing I hate is I hate being the team with more to lose. It would mean so much more to Tech to beat Texas in the, the reverse. For Texas, it's another quad one win. For Tech, it's validation of every decision they've made since Chris Beard was let go. It's uh, cathartic. It's a sense of relief. And there's just so much pressure on this game. And I hate that. That makes teams play tight. I think Mark Adams coaches through it. I think Tech wins convincingly. I called a 30-point win against Mississippi State, and I was damn close. 
I don't think it's going to get that out of hand, but I think this is a game you're up 15 by about the first half ending and you never really get threatened. So I'm going to call a 15 point win for the Red Raiders. And for that to happen, I'm going to say 70. Let's go. Let's go. Actually, you know what? I'm going to do a 20 point win because I like this, this score better. 70 50. I don't think Texas breaks into the 60 range. I just, I can't imagine they do. Um, I'm going to open it up now. We're going to close this one out very shortly, but I'm going to give you Jack and Reed a chance to get their final thoughts because this is kind of a unique environment. You know, just take a minute. What, what are you guys thinking? Jack, you can go first. After having thought about um, everything that uh, this means for the tech program, um, you know, Tech had some very good years in the past. Um, you know, we went to a Final Four. We went to an Elite Eight first, and then we went to a Final Four. We went to a national championship game. We were literally 25 seconds away from winning a national championship. Um, having said that, I think that if we win the national championship in 2019 – I think Chris Beard leaves that year because that's just the kind of fucking snake that he is. So I hope that Tech wins this game by 35 fucking points. I hope that Chris Beard never, ever wants to come back to Lubbock. I hope that in a year when Texas has to come back to Lubbock, he catches the 85th version of whatever COVID variant we're on and that he refuses to come to Lubbock because he got the shit beat out of him the last time he was here. I hope that Tech shows no mercy. And Mark Adams didn't get on the plane for a reason. And so those are my final thoughts. Reed, what are, what are, you, what are your what closing thoughts for this? Well, I'll take the little a uh, little more conventional route than uh, than Jack did there, uh, but uh, uh, s- similar thoughts, just not not as ex- extensive necessarily. Uh, you know, Chris Beard did a lot of good here, whether we want to admit it or not. He gave us a lot of uh, a lot of good basketball memories. Probably my favorite sports memories uh, at, at Tech I've I've had so far, uh, especially as a student. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, he he is at Texas now. Um, I don't, I don't know if you would have asked me a year ago if I really would have believed you saying that we'd be in this, uh, this, this situation where Chris Beard would be at Texas and he'd be coming to Lubbock to play against Tech, uh, at, at this point in time. But, uh, but here we are. And, uh, you know, I, I hope we beat the brakes off of him. Like I said earlier, I just, there's, there's too much on the line for Tech at this point. Kind of got Macon said, we've got so much to lose if we lose this game. Uh, I would just look. I don't want to say it would look terrible on us, but at the same time, it kind of would. Uh, just for the amount of pressure and stuff that we've built up for this contest, there's just not. It's just not something you want to do is build all of this up and then go out and lay an egg. Uh, but I, I don't really think that's going to happen. I think Mark Adams is going to have him level-headed and ready to go. Uh, you know, I'm just I'm ready to watch some basketball, man. I had the opportunity to get on a, a you know a college basketball stories, which is if you guys don't follow that network, there's like football stories. I did that one as well for the Mahomes era. The 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 year we did was the Chris Beard national title run. It was the best year of tech basketball ever by a large you know margin. Um, and I remember during that recording, the, the 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 way I thought about it was it is now impossible to look back on the 2019 season and feel as good as you did as when it happened. And to me, that's one of the biggest crimes about how all this played out is it makes it very, very hard for tech fans to want to celebrate what was a truly great year. You know, we, we can give the credit to Mark Adams all we want. Chris Beard was the head coach of the best tech basketball team ever. You know, the, the, this team is very, very good and I think has the potential to do something similar, but that's just reality. The flip side of that is, is you can, I think it's possible or it should be possible to separate the good memories from what was happening behind the scenes. And um, I'm just going to say this, that, you know, as much as I respect what Chris Beard did in tech in Lubbock, how he conducted himself exiting the program was about as awful as, as you could possibly do as a coach. So, you know, for people don't get this hate guys, he, 
He intentionally knifed Tech in the back for $2 million. Let's make no mistake. Texas is rich enough they would have paid him the $2 million if he'd asked them to. He, they would have bought him out. They wanted him. They would have bought him out. He waited because he wanted to inflict damage on Tech. He, tech, he wanted to help Texas inflict damage on Tech. He tried to poach the entire coaching staff, including Mark Adams, which we all know the outcome of that story. He tried to poach the entire roster. You know, the negative recruiting stories, I don't really care that much about. You're going to negative recruit your opponents, but make no mistake, Chris Beard attempted to take a blowtorch to Texas Tech out the door. So I want to tell Tech fans two things. First and foremost, try to separate your feelings about now from what happened in 2019, because you deserve to be happy about that, and he deserves the credit he gets for that. On the flip side, I have no problems with anybody hating Chris Beard. I, I hate him as much as the next guy. I'll be rooting for him to fail at every stop until the end of time. I hope Texas fires him in three years. Hell, I hope they fire him this year because the, the wheels truly fall off after Tech beats him by 45. But again, my last thought that I'm going to reiterate to anybody listening to this is you all know what the line is. I don't need to preach it to you. Behave yourself in a manner in which that you don't embarrass the university. And I have a different standard for embarrassment. I don't care if you use naughty words. You know what words aren't okay. You know what actions aren't okay. Play within the bounds of those rules. Have a good time. And we hopefully will be rallying up sometime after this game to recap a decisive tech victory and the exercising of some real demons. But, um, you know, that that's all we've got for tonight. This episode ended up running long on us. It kind of figured it would. So you'll hear from us again soon, like I said, hopefully after a big win. But if not, regardless, we'll be recapping what happened, the aftermath of what it means for the program going forward, either this week or this weekend, depending on everybody's schedules. So enjoy the game Tuesday night. Don't put too much into the story if you can. I don't think anybody's going to be able to, to separate themselves from those emotions, but it is one game. So on the one hand, I do think it's the most important game of the year. On the other hand, a loss here does not end the world. It would hurt. It hurt bad. So we still have our goals ahead of us, whatever happens. But I am pretty confident. I think we're all pretty confident Tech should take charge and blow the doors off the horns. So wreck them, everybody, and enjoy the game Tuesday night.